In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be analyzing the draw against Crotone, we'll be analyzing the Mercato, uh, we'll be previewing the Bologna match, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione il destro, violentissimo e lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti. La prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter, l'Inter vince. E Dillo, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa, campione d'Europa. I più forti siamo noi. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. Uh, I am your host, Nima Tavallo Yurutsari. Uh, we're welcoming you back after a couple of weeks follow where we've had some technical difficulties and scheduling problems, followed by the Mercato, which caused a lot of stress. So we decided to take a few weeks off. But now we're back. And I'm very excited because we're ba- back here with uh, uh, the founder of the Gentleman Ultra himself, the new Gentleman Ultra, Mr. Richard Ohl. Welcome to the show. These happy days are yours and mine, Mina, aren't they, today? It's, uh, it's, um, thanks for having me back in such wonderful and pleasant times. <laughs> yeah, I figured that now that things are going straight to hell, I think I, w- I want the old miserable gang back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> right, and we're also joined by our good friend uh, who has been with us once before and he was so good that we had to bring him on again. He's the contributor for uh, ilnerolazzurro.com. He's also a live commentator on uh, Inter supporters on YouTube. Welcome to the show again. Welcome to Studio Inter again, Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Ciao, Nima. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here again. Uh, well, it's great to be here again, yes, but uh, <laughs> we need to talk about bad things. So <laughs> We need to talk. We need to talk, exactly. Brace yourselves, guys. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those episodes where, you know, when, 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 when your spouse or whoever you're dating sits down and says, we need to talk. Yeah, it's one of those episodes. <laughs> Indeed. Inter, interisti yeah. and Inter, we need to talk. Um, it's not us, it's them. It's, yeah, exactly. It's not me, it's you. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> right, let's start with it. Um, the Mercato analysis, the Sooning versus the financial fair play, the anger from Inter fans, not just in Italy, but all over the world, has been, it's been venomous. It's been, it's been so, so angry. And I thought, let's start with that. Let, let's start with that. Is, that. is that venom, is that anger, hatred towards Sooning, is that justified? Um, uh, well, Nima, I have to say I am part of the angry mob against Sunning <laughs> in this case. <laughs> so I want to make it clear us. from the beginning. Well, that's I want good, to make then. it clear from, from that's great. Yeah. So you can explain why you're angry. That's awesome. Yeah, okay. Me. Okay. Uh, first thing first, uh, one month ago, we were here saying that uh, Mercato was basically a dead end. Uh, we were right, probably too right, because uh, what eventually happened and exceeded my worst expectation. So um, I think that uh, many people forgot what happened in August when Inter was abandoned to his destiny and the result was a team uh, numerically incomplete with a clear lack of solution in the bench. And I said, okay, I can tolerate this for 15, 16 matches, but an intervention of January is not negotiable. 
comfortable at all. I mean, you had the sudden blocking situation. You were not ready to face it. I can understand it, but you must realize it and organize accordingly your January Mercato in order to bring in the missing position. And if you ask me, none of this stuff has happened because Inter brought in these Andrew Lopez to fix a problem internally created uh, when the confusion of August uh, left Inter final squad with uh, five side back and three center back. Uh, three and a half centre back because there was the young Banois at the beginning. Uh, what have been done now is just to rebalance this with Lisandro Lopez in, Nagatomo out. Um, but I cannot give any credit to anyone. It's, uh, it is a solution that in normal conditions should have been delivered in the summer transfer session and not in January. Uh, about Rafinha, uh, Rafinha sounds to me like a gamble. Um, nobody can discuss his quality. But on the other hand, he has, been, he has been injured for nine months, skipped the preseason. Now he should be the guy that leads Inter to another style of play. Uh, I would say that uh, he's on high payoff, but very difficult, especially in only four months. And uh, another team in league, uh, he should be adapted. He was lined up, lined up in three, four different positions during the career, but surely he's not a track practice everybody was expecting. Um, so basically this team is numerically the same and it's probably the shorter roster in the Europe top five league. Uh, again, with Bench seems not to be able to provide any, be any benefit to the team. Uh, about the supporters, so some people covered uh, all this Lexo with, uh, with all the blanket they could find, actually. They, so they, they did. <laughs> yeah, financial play for instance, but you ask me, I struggle to imagine uh, a whiff like a policeman and enter like an inmate with a lot of forbidden rights. So financial fair play, for, for, as far as I'm aware, for anyone. Um, of course, nobody expected billions of euros on the table, uh, but at least some loan with obligations durable to me at the beginning. Instead, the commitment from Suning was basically zero, and uh, I think that this is the main reason of the of the anger. So the could mean that that was not shown at all uh, by by Suning. Uh, then Spalletti needs to invent the rest of the season without a backup for Perisic. Is actually needed, especially in these weeks. Without a recognizable trequartista, without a defensive midfielder to upgrade the poor performances of Gagliardini, mind you, that's uh, allegedly asked for Torreira in the last day of, uh, of the transfer. Um, Spalletti does not have a reliable backup for Candreva, unless Caramo will succeed to grow up earlier than normal expectation. He thrown out Brozovic from a plane uh, added to, to Sevilla be just because he realized there was no, replaced, no replacement for him. And there was not internal player that was already disconnected. And there now many good interjournalists that define the current um, state of Brozovic like that. On top of this, Auxilian Sabatini did not have to bring any cash in through the player trading. That was the very uh, player trading, sorry, that was the very last hope that to move some real money during this session. And uh, my final comment is that Paletti is obliged now to cope with an incomplete team. Also, it's a simple way to change the trends. So I can easily predict Spalletti have really to burn the candle at both hands, take a storm, so him, because he really needs it. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, um, I, think we're, I think you touched on something really uh, important there. The fact that uh, Auxilio and Sabatini were unable. I mean, everybody knew that they had to be uh, a, a, a transfer window that was uh, financed by selling, sell one, buy one. And they failed to do that. 
and they expected Sunning to come in with more money, and Sunning couldn't because uh, because of the financial fair play rules, where, which Inter have to Inter have to break even now. There is no, you know, that's something yeah. that, that, that there there yeah. is nothing. Lima. Yeah, Nima, and uh, let me let me just add uh, a last thing to that. Then uh, I I then uh, Richard will uh, uh, will show his impression. But uh, uh, the thing of the financial fair play sounds to me uh, like uh, something that uh, was not um, something for which it was not uh, predicted any solution. Because I can easily predict that. Uh, in the worst case scenario, Inter can provide uh, a cell uh, before the 30th of June, that is the date of break even, uh, just like Roma uh, did with Pjanic two years ago. Yeah. Uh, so the, 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 the out of this, on, on that team was really necessary, and uh, I, I think it was not a problem if Suning just uh, anticipate, bring forward uh, a small amount of money, and after that, uh, cover this in the worst case scenario with some selling before the 30th of June, which is not so difficult to do. So I'm very disappointed, especially for this reason. Mm. That's, a, that's a fair point. Richard? Yeah, I think you guys really, you know, covered a lot of that there. I mean, they're all really valid points. I think, you know, I completely agree in the sense that, you know, the, there's a lot of holes in that squad. Uh, everything we were seeing up until up until Christmas and December, you know, we all knew it was a little bit good to be, too good to be true. And even in the good times, we were touching on the fact that, you know, there's certain areas of that team that, 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 like you said, that needed improving. Centre-back was one. We've never been particularly happy with the full-backs, although they'd improved. Um, and the biggest one for me as well, which I keep banging on about, was I, I, my, well, the lack of cover for a centre-forward. I don't think particularly Adair's the man that if you actually put a Cardi out, for six months, God forbid, that he would be, you know, the man who's going to step up and get you goals. Not that it's um, knocking him as a player in the in his industry, but um, there was gaping holes. Nima, you took to a really good point as well there, because one of the things that we all know we've got to operate under, under financial fair play, and that's okay. We're in the situation we're in. What was frustrating is that, as you say, you know, if there's supposed to be one guy in, one guy out, or there's supposed to be a bit more of, um, how can we put it, a bit more cohesion. There didn't seem to be any. It looked like the transfer window took into by surprise. And everyone that was involved in it, the names that were banded around, the, the mess that was with Pastori, the targets seemed, unre seemed unrealistic. I wouldn't have had a problem if they'd have identified, say, three targets at the start of the window, and that's a centre-back, a centre-forward, and, and maybe a midfielder, Spalletti was talking about, gone for them. And if they'd have been clear about what they were trying to do and only got one of them, you could kind of understand it. But the strategy was just, it was scattergun. It was just to see what's in the market and, and it seemed panic. So, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not annoyed with the situation of financial fair play. I'm not particularly angry that Sun Ng didn't put the hand into the pocket and, and spend out a lot of money because my biggest point of this is even if they had, I don't believe Inter would have operated or, or spent it correctly just from the nature that was that window. Well, that's a, that's a great point. I think, I think there's a lot to it. I mean, the way I look at it, I mean, if you look at it, the way I look at things is like this. Uh, in, Suning have been very, very open and honest that it had to be that way. Um, the fact that, sure, you can you can say that there's a lot of things at this club that aren't working, that there's a lot of things that, um, like you said, scattergun, everything is like last minute, etc., uh, etc. Et but at the same time, this time I don't feel it was that. I think everyone knew what was going on. They made it very clear in the summer that they, due to the Chinese government... Uh, what happened in the summer and also what happened with 
uh, with, with the UEFA's financial fair play rules, where we, which we actually at Semper Inter published a very detailed and thorough uh, three-part uh, piece where we went through exactly how it works. And how it works is after a few years, when, 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 you, when you keep violating, you know, that you can keep, you know, you have to balance it at the end of the day. And Inter, um, Suning are a Chinese company, they have a different culture in China. They, they have their budget and they stick to it. They don't care what you say, and that's how it works. Um, I, I'm not, you know, for good or for bad. That's how Chinese companies are run. They have their budget. Come hell or high water, they stick to it, and that's just what you have to deal with. In Italy, when you have you have a different culture, and you also have, you know, the, this the classical Italian sporting directors who can create these brilliant deals out of nothing, uh, and then you have to be flexible with your budget to help them work. Suning aren't. They're a Chinese company. They just stick to their budget. They run it the way they want to. They look at the, the Serie A standings and they say, why are you so worried about? You're, for, you're in fourth position. Fourth position is what we, were, what we wanted to be in. Um, so, you know, that, that's how they kind of view things. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if you look at the finances, Inter have a turnover of 300 million euros thanks, since Suning took over about one and a half years ago. Now, that's that's brilliant for a team that doesn't own its own stadium, that it's not has not been playing in the Champions League for five six years. I agree that they need to invest, but at the same time you have to look at the reality that they're in. I mean, they've structured this club and organized this club better than it's ever been in. I mean, Moratti from Moratti to Tohir, this club has never been so well run structurally, uh, and also fine if you look at the finances than ever before. Now I understand the point where. People are fed up because I was really annoyed that we didn't sign, that Inter didn't sign Pastore because I thought that was exactly what Inter needed. But then again, PSG have no reason to to not to give any discounts. Uh, you know, they they have enough money, they have more money uh. than God, and they don't have any uh. reason to give any to give any uh, uh, discounts. Yep. And Inter at the same time uh, had to give you know give, give the PSG was not interested in a loan with obligation or option to buy. They wanted to sell. Inter couldn't sell. Inter couldn't buy. That, that's how it was. Uh, Nima, if I may step in for a moment go, go, here. Go, go. Uh, I, I, I agree with you about, about this. And I think it's a fair point. And I think that everybody should know about that. But my question here is, uh, if, if the situation was, was pretty clear since months, why Inter lose their time uh, behind Pastore, behind the Pastore deal, if they were not able to do that? Because actually there was there was the, there was a, a chance to to buy him uh, with a loan with obligation, right? But okay, loan ob obligation is not possible. I understand this, but I, I would like to have a plan B here. I, I don't want the the agent of Pastore to be in Milan since uh, noon of the last day of transfer market, and you know already that you can you cannot buy him because you have not a chance to buy it. Right. So, what what I expect from um, from Sabatini, from Alzelio, but even from uh, from, from Suning is uh, is to tell these guys, hey, provide a plan B because we cannot we cannot afford that. And uh, I, I can tell you more. This is the same situation that happened in August with Patrick Schick, exactly the same. Right. With with the agent that was uh, were uh, were interested to close the deal and Inter that suddenly step out from the from the from the deal and uh, propose uh, um, propose a loan with no obligation to buy and Schick uh, eventually went to Roma right and there was no plan b for that and that's and true. Pastore that's was true. the same situation that's true the the lack of plan b i think is something that 
Um, I think that's something that Auxilio and Sabatini have to stand up for because that's their job. That is what they're paid to do, is to have a plan B, is to have a backup plan. And the fact that they don't uh, is, 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 is quite the, alarming. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I was going in some respects in the sense of it didn't, you know, like you said, I do agree, you know, with the, the idea of a, the Chinese company. It's very much like American venture capitalists where you hit that target, that's it. There's no, there's no, um, no questions about it. But the same point is, is when in that situation, if you, if there is a business there, then there should be clear targets. And like you guys have both been saying, that's the top three targets. Go and get them. If you can't get them, why can't you get them? Okay, what's the next ones? And then there's at least some strategy. But for me, it did feel like, you know, we got to, got to the transfer, you know, got to the, got to the window, and it was just all, all of a sudden, it was hell for leather it didn't make any sense yeah. and like you were saying there were deals that they went for that you you know i mean don't get me wrong we don't need the ins and outs but at the same point you know we're sat there as as interested parties going well hold on surely that can't go through and and, and funnily enough has happened many times in the past it doesn't go through for the exact reasons you were thinking of and so it is frustrating and i just think that overall helped I, what, what i will say i think the one thing to add is just that i will think do you think the anger of it all is hugely emphasized by results if you know if the, i don't think that this transfer window if it had happened in exactly the same way would have caused such um displeasure obviously if we'd have um, had a bit of a better well a bit of a better very much better december and january that's a that's a really interesting point and i think um i think that's what it is um I mean, I've been sitting on this show for so, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, people have asked me, and we've all said it before and on this show, that like Inter is not a Scudetto candidate. Even when we were Serie A leaders, it still didn't feel um, like Inter were there yet. And I think it's, so, it's, it's very honest of Spalletti to say that, even when we were winning matches, that sometimes we used to zone out. And that used to happen even when Inter were winning. The thing is that in football during a season... These things even out, you know, when you're, un you know, when you're, when you win, when you win undeservedly, sometimes you lose undeservedly, or you do, you, you, you draw undeservedly when you deserve to win, etc. These are things that happen during a season, um, and um, that's that's just, uh, uh, you know, that's just how it is. And Spalletti has been very clear. He, I don't think that for him it's a trequartista issue. I think for him it's a it's a defensive central midfielder issue. I think Torreira. You know, that's what he needs. I think the reason why he got Rafinha is because he got a box-to-box -box player. I think that's what he's been lacking. I think Borja Valero and Vecino and Gagliardini have been good for, for periods, but it, there's been a problem there, and now it's exposed for everyone to see. And that's what he wanted to, that's what he wanted to fix. Um, and th this, is, this, is, this is what's worrying now, because when teams like Crotone and Spal can read through Inter, and Inter seem so hollow and through the middle. Uh, and then you have the people on the wings not working out with uh, Perisic and, and, uh, and Candreva looking a shadow of themselves out of form. And Icardi injured and all, and all the other things surrounding him that we're going to get it to later. Then, then Spalletti is left with absolutely nothing. And, but if you, I mean, if you look at Napoli, if you look at Roma even, uh, if you look at Juventus, all these other teams that we're fighting in the top four, four they have alternatives to bring in. Inter really don't. Inter have nine, ten players that have to be fantastic throughout the season in order to stay up there. And that's just not going to work if you want to finish in the top four. And I think for me, that's what creates the frustration. Uh, now, if they had brought in uh, Pastore, that would have been great. Fine. You know, that would have raised something for a little bit. But at the same time, 
you know, look look at what he look look at what he's done. He's he's brought in Danilo D'Ambrosio to the team, moving Cancelo to the left, which made Cancelo, you know, he was on the rise up. He was looking good. That made him look absolutely horrible after that. You know, it's like he's trying to he's trying to solve everything with absolutely nothing, and and that's the feeling of panic that I hoped I had hoped that we had passed with this great start to the season. But it feels like we're back there again. And I don't really know how this is going to play, play turn out, but I am I have a really bad feeling in my stomach that, you know, at least we're not losing. We're fourth draw in a row, one one. That's good. That's four points more than we might have had. But I'm worried. I'm really worried. And I and I think we've all seen this movie before. Any thoughts? Yeah, can, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, just if you don't mind on this one, it's quite interesting. Sure. You said that. Just a real quick one because when I was I was sat there the day trying to. I'd really built up that Inter will always be okay once they get past Roma because it was Spal, Crotone, Benevento, Genoa, Bologna, not in that order. And, you know, thinking that those were all winnable games, it gives us a chance to get confidence back. But you touched on something when you said that, like, we've been here time and time again. I did a piece a while ago, of, like I said, and one of the things I found myself looking into was why is it it's the same? It does, forget the coach, forget the owners, forget the players. Right, because they've all changed since the first time I came on his podcast. All of them, they've all changed completely. And you know, this has happened before, and it's happened again under other owners and then other coaches, and it's happening again now. And it's this re- repeated cycle. And it was interesting because I was looking at uh, the only thing it reminds me of sometimes is the England team, the national team, because that also repeats itself despite coach, despite players makes the same mistakes. And it's bizarre that surely there can't be some psychological imbalance that's sort of deep-rooted within a club when the principal elements change all the time. And just really quick, without getting too deep into it, there's a, there's, um, a sports psychologist, a Norwegian guy called Jordet, and what he thinks is that when there's um, a club with a huge fan base, because sport is so much driven by the fans, and high-pressure fan bases, that what happens is that certain times um, in a cycle that when obviously because it's so much pressure by the fans that these teams when they're almost taking like an underdog uh, mentality can build and build and build and those that fan pressure helps them build to a certain level but as soon as you hit a point and as soon as it hits a point where the fan mentality changes and it suddenly thinks actually we believe in this they can win now that same pressure is so great it completely undoes them and I just wonder if that's the same thing with Inter because, like you said, this. On. I think you're spot on there. I think you're absolutely spot on with that. It's just strange because that's that's why this guy he didn't he wasn't talking about Inter. This was his explanation for the England team, yeah. and I just see that it's very much similar with Inter. That's a really good point, Fulvio. You wanted to say something? Well, uh, what I, what I think is that. Uh, okay, I partially agreed with um, with analysis of uh, of Richard, and uh, I found brilliant uh, the comparison with England national team. It's, uh, I think I think it's really brilliant to um, uh, to basically it's it's the same situation. Uh, but here in the club, uh, we can uh, uh, we can just have a perspective uh, season by season. Um, so what I think about Nima is that uh, um, this this group of players uh, is not is not able to no. is not able to to eye, uh, to, eye to to aim for uh, for some for some, some for some goals. Um, you said it's always the same movie, and uh, what I propose to you is um, 
It's actually a movie because what we're living in Inter reminds me of that movie called Ground of Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. In which, yeah. <laughs> uh, in which <laughs> Bill Murray keeps waking up just to live always in a beginning until he realizes that he has to come out from that loop. Uh, okay, the good action here seems to be, seems to me, to be a drastic change over this group of players with replacement, psychologically capable to aim for high-level goals, right? So, first move that I, I, I would like to, I would like to, to, to see at, at Inter is to, to bring in some players that are men before players, right? Because this is the key. Uh, you cannot play four months uh, like Perisic. You scored three goals against Cable and you said, okay, my, uh, my job is done. It's not like that, mm. right? And you should bring in some Players that, uh, like Milan Skriniar, for example, for instance, mm. that uh, can are connect are connected. Uh, their mind are connected from the beginning to the end of the matches, and uh, at the same, in the same way from the beginning to the end of of, uh, of the season. Because we are stuck here with this uh, with this group of players, and the worst part is that uh, uh, we can we live always, we live always the same movie, but actually nobody except from the from the from the coaches uh, is. Paying the price for that. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's, that's, that's something else I wanted to discuss with you guys. I mean, look, uh, Gagliardini's only been here exactly 12 months, so I think you can't exactly blame him for this. But I think when you look at the Brozoviches, when you look at, I mean, for example, okay, Perisic, uh, you know, he's been here for longer than that. Kandreva's been here for just about a season. But I mean, the Nagatomos, the D'Ambrosios, the, you know, the, there's something wrong here. There is something seriously wrong here that is not working. And I think maybe, you know, in the long run, what Milan did in the summer where they just cleared everything out off the table and started with everything new, you know, I'm not saying, you know, maybe they, they have different problems there, but I mean that just the idea of thinking that, okay, this group of players is so destroyed by this previous mentality. We want to build something completely new. So out with everyone. So I'm thinking maybe it's it's time to get rid of Icardi. Maybe it's time to get rid of Kandreva, Kandreva, Icardi, Perisic, um, all of them. D'Ambrosio, Ranocchia, Nagatomo, Handanovic, every single one of them. Just sell them and build from scratch. I don't know. Is that the way to go? It's, it's really funny you said that because even like, I, you know, I am have been in the past a fan of Kandreva. I've defended D'Ambrosio a lot because I've always liked him. And I'm a huge fan of Perisic, but I agree with you in the sense of now, how many chances? Now, the, the interesting thing you said there was that the only way you're going to fund that on a massive scale is by selling Icardi. Um, the problem I think you've got with that is we've just been talking about how the club struggles in itself to um, conduct its business in an organised manner at certain points. And we just talked about how bad the transfer window is. Would you, tr- would you trust this Inter to sell off Icardi first and then rebuild that club? Um, it, it's a huge ask and it's, it would be a huge ask over the summer. Um, I mean, it, there are, you know, Inter's hand may be forced in that sense. But you're right, because the biggest thing about those players as well you know, we talk about the fact of, and it is all. It goes back to what you both of you guys were saying before. It is the situation where, how many times have we talked about the fullbacks not being able to to mm. deliver the ball in as well as we want them to? Same with Kandreva, same as Perisic. They don't have a collective responsibility for the goals either, as you say. Everyone just puts it on Icardi. Look at Napoli when Higuain went. Look at how well they developed. Mm. They became just this huge unit of ma- massive players: Hamšík, Insignia, Kalahans. Milic before he before he was injured, and Mertens of course, and everyone stood up and went. You know what? We all take responsibility. I think that's what Inter need. Now the interesting thing is there. My flip point back is, 
if you sold a Cardi, would then Perisic and the likes actually stand up and take responsibility because they'd have to? Are they leaning on him too much? Well, I, th- I, think, I think in that situation, I think you have to clear house. I think you have to sell everyone there. I think if you want to build something new, you have to get rid of Handanovic, you have to get rid of D'Ambrosio, Nagatomo, Ranocchia, you have to get rid of uh, uh, Brozovic, you have to get rid of Icardi, Perisic, Kandreva. You have to get rid of, you have to clear house. You have to basically do an analysis and say that, look, these, this is, this is, we have to clear everything out from the beginning and start from scratch because this isn't working. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that they should go that, and I think you raised a really interesting question. Do I trust this Inter to do that enough? Well, I mean, I do trust Sabatini and Auxilio. However, it seems that they don't seem to connect whatever communication problem the, the Auxilio, Sabatini and Spalletti side seem to have with the Steven Zhang and the Zhang Jingdong, the Suning side. That needs to be solved first. They need to start communicating clearly and directly and understanding each other before anything happens. Because if not, then we're going to stand there again, people blaming each other, pointing the finger in the opposite direction, and no one taking his own responsibility. I mean, there's a Chinese saying that goes, the fish rots from the head down. Well, if you've got the management pointing fingers at each other and no one's taking responsibility, then what the hell do you think is going to happen down, further down the line with the squad and the manager, etc., etc.? Now, we happen to have a manager that actually takes responsibility. He's the only one who does and says that, I, it's my fault that things aren't going well. It's my fault that we've lost form. It's my fault that we do this, this physical thing. But he's the only one doing it. There's no one else doing it. And that's what's so frustrating. Uh, for real? Yeah. yeah, I think it's a precise picture from your side. I think you, you deliver now the precise picture. And uh, not only for this year and uh, not only from, from, the, from the time that uh, Suning came, came, there, came here, but uh, still earlier was, uh, was like that. And uh, this... Um, uh, this uh, uh, this responsibility not taken is uh, something that uh, here at Inter we witnessed uh, a lot of time. So yes, we should uh, probably provide some um, some some other uh, some other things on the management level, uh, right? Because and uh, here I'm I'm thinking about what Richard was saying about uh, selling Icardi and rebuild the club, uh, but. Uh, I have I, um, I have a point here to for you guys, uh, and um, uh, it's concerning the wages because uh, um, for the moment the wages the wages are not increasing, right? So uh, let's let's uh, let's pretend for a moment that uh, Icardi is sold for uh, let's say 120 millions of euro. So you have a big budget to do the mercato, but your wages are the same. Right, so you cannot afford any champion because of the wages, because this 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 kind of players will always add a better offer. For instance, from the Premier League uh, at the moment, and, and Richard, I think Richard know about that. Uh, a, a team like uh, Crystal Palace or West Ham can offer the same wages of Inter. Mm. So knowing 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 Auxilio, and I don't know Sabatini, but knowing Auxilio is not skilled in this kind of markets in which mm. you can. Uh, you can buy some players uh, that uh, uh, that eventually will become champion, like I don't know Belgium uh, Belgium league. Milinkovic Savic came from there, uh, or uh, like Polish league where Sampdoria is uh, is doing uh, great is doing great deals, Czech or Polish, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And and instead, uh, Auxilio, I, I can I can assure you that uh, with that budget, but. Uh, with some, with this wages not increased, uh, that he cannot offer, he surely will be looking at the mid-table team of the Serie A, 
and yeah. it, w- it will be the same situation because this this uh, this play you yes you can you can find a player that is different from the others but uh, as a standard this player are, are not prepared to aim for high levels goals and the loop is the same so you sh- you should consider to change the the sporting director here yeah. and to and to hire someone that has uh, as a great knowledge of uh, of other markets yes you have sabatini that uh, is very good on the south american market and it's okay but uh, you know you should look even in the europe for a lot of reasons just like the the extra eu for uh, rule for example so I would consider that, especially for this for, for this reason, or Suning should decide to increase the wages. Otherwise, yeah. it will be a loop. Well, that's exactly it. Um, I think I think that's also part of it. And 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 I, I doubt very much that. Um, I mean, I was looking at I was looking thinking about this the other day and saying, well, I mean, Auxilio, sure, Auxilio's situation at Inter has been very difficult. The way he replaced Branca in the middle of all that chaos with Tohir. Uh, he did, you know, and 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 with the, with zero money, how what he's rebuilt, etc. But at the end of the day, if you look at the players he's bought for nothing, I mean, he's supposed to be the guy. Gagliardini was the guy that he's been chasing for years, and I'm thinking that Gagliardini is at a very very standard, okay player. He's not a he's not a super champion. He's not a player that can, you know, develop into this new De Rossi. He's he's a very mediocre player, and that's okay. But we don't need mediocre players. Inter need players that can come in and be like Torreira at Sampdoria or Skriniar. You know what I mean? Like those kinds of players is what Inter needs. And 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 systematically, Auxilio has failed at bringing those kinds of players in. You know, there's no doubt about that. Um, the only one, I mean, I, I am not going to give him uh, Kovacic or Coutinho or Icardi because those players were Moratti pretty much. I mean, he... The, those were those were Moratti players. Those are players that Inter were trying to bring in for years. Um, Coutinho was basically was signed because of Moratti calling someone's father. I mean, we, we all know that. So I think you might be onto something. Maybe it's time for him to change because he's been at Inter for almost, what is it now, five, six years? Inter have finished fifth mm. or fourth at best, and now they're struggling to do that. I don't know. Well, so we have to wait and see. I mean, my my answer depends a little bit on what happens. If Inter finish fourth, then I have no problems. I have no problems because the goal was top four. We finished top four. However, in the summer, if nothing happens, then we have a big issue because this team is not not built to 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 go to. To, to do anything on two stages, let alone Champions League and Serie A. I mean, Inter in the <laughs> same. I mean, think about it. Real Inter is drawn in the same group as Real Madrid, Chelsea, and I don't know, uh, Basel. Yeah. Inter will finish yeah. last. Inter will finish last. Let's be. I mean, yeah. I mean let's be <laughs> I, honest. I, I, I consider Nima that in the case that Inter come back to the Champions League, it will be for sure drawing the fourth tire. For yeah. sure, because. The rank I think it's, it's dramatic right now. So that's, you, you, you say it for for instance, Real Madrid, Chelsea. But I think there's a huge chance if Inter accede to the Champions League that things will do will, will go like that. Mm. So do, so do I. And and that's what I'm saying that if Inter finish fourth, then that's fine. The management and Spalletti have done done what they've been asked for. But now they need to invest. Now they need to invest because this is not good enough. This is not a team that can win titles as it is today. This is not a team that can that can compete on two fronts or three fronts. This is a team See, that, that when it's only playing in the Serie A can finish fourth. That is it's the mm. highest it can do. They, these needs these issues need to be addressed. Yeah, I think I think my biggest issue is it's just a lack of 
process in a sense of, you know, there's no, I, I, I wouldn't mind if Inter made, I know that there was a years ago when Stanamic Yoni came and there was a, uh, will they do it, will, won't they do it? And obviously they didn't, there's a myriad of reasons why we know that didn't happen. But if, if Inter turned around and like you were saying, if they decided to go and trawl through the South American leagues, the Belgium league, the Polish league, everything you said before, and, you know, started with a really good scouting network and accepted that, yeah, OK, we're going to lose some players to, to Real Madrid. We're going to lose some to, to Barcelona and probably some to the Premier League. But at the end of the day, at least it's a process. At least it's something going forward. And at least it's something that the fans can identify with and, and also appreciate the model. Whereas there is no... You keep thinking there's going to be a model. Uh, you keep thinking there's going to be... Um, I hate the word project, but you know what I'm trying to say. In yeah. the sense of... do, do they, they, they know where they want to get. They've just got no idea how to get there. And it's this constant constant repetition we were talking about before. So for me, I'd be happy if they said, you know what? Yeah, we're going to put everything into the youth system and we're going to try and get players through there and we're going to change a little bit of what we are, maybe. I'd be happy with that. You know, it doesn't. it's not the fact that it has to guarantee success straight away. Yes, of course, Champions League's um, the, the ultimate goal at the moment. And But, you know, I wouldn't mind if the project... And I said it again, I hate that word, but, you know, something was just there that we could all see and all get on that sort of uh, journey together, in a sense. Because at the moment, we're all sort of looking, shaking our heads, going, like you said before, it's Groundhog Day. You know, you're both saying it's, it is. And, um, but, you know, like you say, we've still got the rest of the season to see what happens, but it is a bit frustrating. Yeah, it's, it is. Right, let's talk about, speaking of uh, frustration, let's focus a little bit on the Crotone game. Um, what what happened? Uh, what, 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 why did it end? Why did it end up the way it did? Um, what are your thoughts on that, Fulvio? Uh, let's be honest, guys. Uh, Inter was just painful to watch, really painful, and I think it's really humiliating for every fan to from over all over the world to watch Inter in San Siro creating the same chances chances of Crotone. This is the truth. Uh, two shots from uh, Inter sides. Uh, two shots uh, on the goal, and two shots on the goal for Crotone as well. And Crotone is a team that suffers a dramatic, but really dramatic lack of, uh, lack of, uh, lack of quality and try to fill that with pride and heart. So what I witnessed, I witnessed the same things I witnessed in the last two months. So Inter was just not able to build an offensive transition. And that shows the solution was not to bench Gagliardini because the real problems are structural and not individuals. And this is, this is the, the proof, right? Uh, so uh, all, our, all our opponents' coaches, uh, from Semplici um, to, uh, of Spal to Zenga from Crotone, found the key to face Inter with just two basic moves. The first one, put defending players on the sides, so blocking the sides. And the second one, provide some uh, one versus one on the midfield. And that is enough to currently stop Inter. This could, not, this could not be acceptable at this point of the season. And the worst part is that they're always... The same problem if you put in or you put out players. Uh, Inter has been the same team with or without Icardi, with or without Gagliardini in the in the in the last weeks. So, so this is the this is the trick and this is the loop. Uh, about Dalbert, please let, let me let me let me have a separate analysis on Dalbert because with him I cannot even arrive to the technical comments uh, or some comparisons with the previous left back like uh, like Ansaldi, like Alex Tejas. No. I, can, I cannot even utilize some terms like uh, he's shy. And the only thing I can say about him, and sorry for the rude definition, is that he shits his pants every time he's on the field. Yeah, every really single does. time he really he's does. on the field. And, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not blaming him because I guess he's in, uh, in a situation bigger than him. 
But of course, I blame who spent all that money for a player so far from the standards that are requested here. And this is just unforgivable, especially at the light of the, of the dramatic economic issues we are facing uh, right now. Um, so uh, positive things, uh, Skriniar, of course. So uh, is, 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 the, is the classic player, is the classic flower in the desert. In, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a real, in a desert, uh, there's Skriniar, because Skriniar always play good uh, all these matches uh, uh, with, uh, with the Inter in incredible crisis. Uh, so there's an Italian famous song that say one out of, the, of one out of a thousand makes it, and this is exactly what I think about him because Saturday he was the youngest on the field and still the only one with his mind connected from the beginning to the end. And apart from, from him, uh, Rafinha and Caramo were probably the best player on the field. And uh, if I have to be honest, this increases my regrets because I keep wondering how the situation could be different if Inter had real alternatives on the bench, because these alternatives are the only one with an acceptable attitude at the moment. So uh, not, not, there's not so much to say about that. Uh, we are still stuck in the same season as we, as we, are, as we are talking uh, minutes ago. Uh, this season could add two different plots. In the first one, uh, we play incredibly good for three or four months. And after that, we gave up with everything. And this is what is happening right now. The second one happened the last year. We compromised the season in the beginning. Then we come back on the track, but just for a while. And we finished the season as we, as we began that. Uh, and I think that uh, there's no way to solve that at the moment. I don't think any visible way to solve that, even though Inter is, uh, is, is an unpredictable team since ages. So probably from the next match, everything is going to change. But guys, I don't see, I don't see the key to change this. I don't, I don't see how Spalletti, how Inter can change this attitude uh, uh, for instance, uh, you, you remember that Brozovic uh, came out of the, of the field uh, for a substitution and uh, kicked the bench, uh, so a bad reaction. And Spalletti uh, on the Italian TV uh, was asked about this reaction, and you know what it said? At least we have a reaction. And yeah. this, is, yeah, this, this, this is unacceptable, guys. Completely unacceptable. But at the same time, give you the picture of what is happening uh, to Inter right now, what is happening to Spalletti. And you can see in his eyes that uh, it's not motivated like he was three or two or three months ago. So I'm very worried about that. And for all this uh, thing that uh, keep happening without uh, any visible solution. Yeah, no, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. Richard? Yeah, I'm echoing a lot of what Lugo says, especially when you talk about the mentality and the attitude. I mean, you can tell with Inter it's got back to that stage now where I think we can all tell in the first 10 minutes how the game's going to go. Um, I think it's down to a lack of quality from the opposition in Spal and Crotone that we've actually come away with points rather from our own um, you know, performances in any respect. For me to, to keep, you know, I think a lot's been touched on there, but my biggest thing I'll go back to is lack of, lack of goals, lack of creating chances. Um, I think that, you know, look, Inter, Inter did. It was always like the, 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 how can I put it? The game against Kievo was probably almost perfect when Perisic, I think it was a hat-trick, wasn't it? And um, he, he was fantastic. And the team actually performed as they were meant to perform. Now, that's the same team. That's the same team. So, What's happened? And so it has to be a confidence thing. Now, the biggest thing is, is there are there are goals in this team. You know, they are capable. And each and each, every single one of them, and that includes Spalletti in some respects, of how 
I don't understand how Spalletti was getting the best out of players like, you know, D'Ambrosio at the start of the season, all through the squad, and, you know, making them the best, some of their parts they could possibly be. And we are at the to- total opposite end of the spectrum now. Um, you know, maybe because these, these guys have been overperforming for so long, um, you know, maybe they are just tired now and it goes back to squad depth. But the point being is, is that they're just aren't enough chances being created for the likes of Adair, Icardi, whoever's up there. And also, I'm going back to that point before, it's the collective responsibility of goals. Um, that I don't know how there's going to be a mind shift change. To me, maybe uh, we, we've got to come up in the next couple of weeks against, um, you know, Bologna, Genoa or uh, Benevento and hope that they're in a worse physical and mental condition than we are. Because the only time I can see us really doing something, especially to, to put in the performance, is if the team literally lets us walk all over them. If that happens, maybe we can get back on the bike. You know, Maybe there's a chance that this will um, kickstart the season. But at the moment, it's just turgid. So you know, th- there has to be more than one player. You know, you, Like you were saying before, you can't just have Skriniar being the only one of the few that stands up and is, is counted. It's not good enough. It needs to be from everyone on the pitch. And at the moment, I don't think any of them can look at themselves in the mirror and say that they've done themselves justice over the last two months. And until someone starts doing that, then I can just see more of the same. Mm, exactly. Right. Well, uh, as you said, we have Bologna on the weekend on Sunday. Um, we're playing them uh, at home. Uh, Simone Verdi is, I think, is going to miss it due to injuries. The last time, last thing uh, I heard regarding him, and I think that's very lucky because he's a. <laughs> he would he would cause this team if he was in his form he would cause this team a lot a world of trouble um so going into that i think icardi will be back um i think icardi will be back uh, fit uh, um whether he is mentally or not after all the drama that's been going on which we'll get into uh, a little bit later regarding him but um what what, what i mean you just laid it out there we we, we need to let uh, I mean, it's basically a team needs to let us walk all over them, otherwise we won't. Fulvio, do you think that as well, or do you see that there might be something that this team can, like this, there is there is a little bit of energy somewhere that can be built, a little bit of confidence. Where can it come from? Do you do you think do you think it, it, it's it's there at all? Well, Nima, uh, easy to say that Inter is a lot more skilled than Bologna. Easy to say that from the perspective of the individual quality is going to win the match. But at this point, does it make any sense to tell that? Uh, the truth is that Inter is, is uh, in that typical phase in which can lose against everyone playing mm. like a team. Mm. Uh, just for the fact that uh, the opponent is playing like a team, despite any difference of value. Um, at the same time, could find a great performance out of the blue, uh, confirming its usual status of completely unpredictable team. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I have to say, but I have to say, there is not a team in the current Serie A for which I can say Inter is surely gonna win, and I, neither Benevento. And I assure you, I'm not overreacting here. I just know this team like the palm of my hand, and I know it's like that. Um, on top of each detailed preview, what I can tell you for sure is that Inter is not going to win if playing with the same attitude of the matches against Pal and Crotone. Nothing new from on, on this on, from this point of view, but I actually think that after five draws. Playing poorly this time can lead to defeat, and I think that because Bologna is one of the most organized team in the in, in that portion of uh, of mid-table squads in Serie A, they have a coach that, in my opinion, deserves better team, and they had they they had him since several years. Uh, so among that teams uh, of low, mid-low table, they probably have the best midfield. They have an acceptable attack. 
They struggle on defense because they cannot line up fast centre-backs. But uh, once again, the way to take advantage of this should be attack with a good quantity of players and utilize the vertical passing as main style of play. Uh, for sure, you cannot provide any danger if you keep relying uh, on crosses by Kandreva or by any other players. Uh, everyone understood this uh, and everyone understood it's the only style of play we have right now. For this reason, I hope uh, I will see Rafinha starting from the beginning of the match uh, because we desperately, desperately need solutions that are not predictable for the opponents. And uh, I'm afraid Rafinha is uh, now the very last joker left in our pack. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's a brilliant analysis. I don't have anything else to add to that. Um, uh, right. Um, what, what do you think, Richard? I mean, do you... Do you have anything to add? Because I, I think, no. think for me, you discovered it. Everything yeah, not, not much. What, yeah, I think I was absolutely spot on. But one thing I will say is that, uh, you know, when we talk about our delivery into the box, Bologna can score from corners. <laughs> but they can also concede from corners. So, which I'm just going to say, that was mental. I've never seen anything <laughs> like that in my life. But anyway, yeah, great analysis. I'm, I have nothing yeah. to add. No, so if we were to predict, uh, obviously based on what you said, Fulvia, Inter are the most unpredictable team in the Serie A. So therefore, I'm going to ask you to predict a, a scoreline and some goal scorers. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anymore. I, 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 I'm, I don't know because uh, Inter is, is, uh, is really... It's, 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 it's probably the, the most the, the most struggling team to score uh, in the in the current Serie A. So if you ask me a prediction, uh, I think that uh, that won't be a, a lot of goals. So a typical uh, under match uh, on the perspective of betting. Uh, and I think that uh, if Icardi will be lined up, uh, we can find uh, we can find a way of goal through him. Uh, but uh, I really struggle to expect uh, any other any other player to 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 provide some goals. Uh, I expect that at some point Caramo uh, uh, will be involved because we need him and we need we need uh, uh, everyone that can be involved uh, from the from the bench. At this point, we cannot wait for anyone uh, given the situation. Uh, so at some point, I think that Caramo will score some goal. Uh, I don't know if um, Sunday will be the the right match to do that, but um, yes, I can I can bet on that. If Caramo will have uh, just like 30 minutes uh, disposal, he can score the goal because uh, he's very hungry to score some goals, and uh, you can always see his performances, his uh, a few performances that uh, is like that. So I would say Icardi for the goal uh, for, for, for the for, for the goal scorer. And uh, as a bet, I would uh, I would say Caramo, but um, nothing nothing else. Uh, probably Screener. Screener is uh, is one of the is incredible, but is one of the um, of the best uh, of the best scorer of this squad of this team. So probably uh, you can have some prediction about him, but still, it's uh, you know it's uh, it's like water in the desert at, at this point to make two goals or three goals. So I'd, I'm I'm not expecting that. Okay, Richard. Yeah, no one's going to ask me to try and sell this game. It's uh, for me, it's it's got nil nil written all over it. I don't see again. I don't see us scoring at this moment in time unless uh, something miraculous happens. Um, but again, you know, to be a little bit positive, I, I also think that we can um, hopefully keep Bologna out. I think the lack of there, as you say, is going to be going to be important. And yeah, it just seems like one of those games where there'll be a lot of huffing and puffing. But um, I'm going nil nil. Mm. 
I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say one nil. I think Icardi is gonna score. I think it's gonna be a gritty one nil win. Um, uh, for those of us who remember Mazzari's Inter, I think it's gonna be one of those games. It's gonna look very ugly, really depressing, but I think we're gonna win, and I think that's what we need to do. I think that's the most important thing. Um, so I think for me, uh, so I think yeah, that's what I'm hoping, and I'm gonna say Icardi. Icardi one goal, one nil, and that'll be that. Right, um, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute as well as rip the piss out of uh, something or someone in the world of football, starting with the negative things, as we've been negative most of the time. I thought we'd continue on the negative side with uh, this week's Moji, which will be presented by Mr. Richard Hall. Right, okay. Well... This one's a bit of a different one. I'm, I'm going to move it away from Inter just because it, we've been negative enough about them and, you know, we've got to where we got to. Um, this, well, this season, for, for reasons unknown to myself, I've been watching a lot more of uh, City of B and, and I've enjoyed it. Um, I know that sometimes there's a lot of criticism goes down towards Italy's second tier. Uh, and in the past, you know, I've seen a lot of it and, and rightly so, but there's been some... Fantastic game this season. And what frustrates me about it is that when I look over here in the UK and you see how the and the UK not only pedal the premiership, but how they also push the championship, how they really, really go to town on the marketing and the approach of, of making you know England second tier so watched now um, around the world. And I look at City of B and I look at some of the names down there and you look at the likes of Bari, you look at the types of Foggia, you look at Venezia, and you know, Palmer down there. But um, there's some fantastic names, there's some huge clubs. And what they do in, in the UK is when you see teams like Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, Leeds United, these, these clubs down there, they make a big deal out of it. They make a big deal that this is important and this league's worth watching. And, you know, even to the point of, um, I watched Jazena Tanara on um, Sunday night, and the game was incredible. And I think the, the actual league itself is improving a little bit than, than it has been. And I just wish sometimes with Italy that they would market not only City A, but also City A B much more than, more than they do. Um, I think they've got a product there. I think it's, yes, of course it's not perfect. Of course there's some ugly, ugly parts to it. But the point being is, is that it's just, it's a good product. And I've really enjoyed it this season, more than I thought so, that I would. And um, so for me, it's uh, another one of those things that, unfortunately, you know, when you look at it, there's a bit of still nostalgia there because the likes of Foggia, everyone remembers Zeman's Foggia, etc. And all the clubs of the past that we've seen over the last 20, 25, 30 years. Um, and there's so much they could do with it. But unfortunately, um, you know, the stadium is still, still crumble and um, it's, not, it's not pushed as much. But uh, yeah, that was just my little thing for this week. Mm. Fair enough, nice one. Um, we, if we move on to uh, something a little bit more uh, funny, but still a bit negative and ridiculous, it's uh, the Frog of the Week, which I'll be presenting myself. So basically, for those of us who've had the great pleasure of following and writing about Inter 24-7, we've noticed this past few weeks um, that uh, over these past week and a half, in the middle of all this, when Inter have been going through a difficult period, in the middle of the anger from the fans, 
because of uh, everything we've discussed tonight regarding the, the, the transfer market, Suning, Sabatini, Auxilio. Our dear friends at Inter uh, decide, uh, the players themselves decide that there's not enough drama going on at this club. So they take it upon themselves to create what can at best be described a sixth, you know, a tw- behaving like 13-year-olds in a common room in a junior school. I'm obviously talking about Brozovic, Perisic, Icardi and his wife Wanda. Wanda goes to Argentina to do work. Icardi doesn't, apparently, according to the reports, doesn't like the images that she puts up because they're too sexy. So he's, he's pissed off and mopes, puts up a, lot, a, a bitchy Instagram post about how change and you know, how moving on and change is inevitable. Something really, really 13-year-old emo cutting yourself, bleeding, crying with, 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 like high, uh, with dark eyeliner around the eye kind of thing. Inter fans immediately panic and think that he's going to going to Real Madrid, which uh, Inter replied that they have nothing, no idea what this has to do with. He has to go out and says it's a personal thing. He unfollows his wife and Brozovic on Instagram. His wife changes her name from Wanda Icardi to Wanda Nara. So basically everyone is thinking, all right then, they're going to get divorced. Everything is, is, is tits up. In the middle of all this, uh, Icardi has had a row uh, after the Fiorentina game with Brozovic. Uh, Perisic apparently stands on his side, and they all unfollow each other on Instagram, and which just creates a field day for the press. Jesus Christ, what the hell? You're all you're adults. Inter is a place of employment, <laughs> not a common room for 12-year-olds to hang out and unfollow and follow each other on social media and say, "I'm not talking to him. I'm not talking to her." And I mean, for crying out loud, be a bit professional. So this week's frogs, <laughs> this week's the frogs of the week are Wanda, Wanda Icardi or Wanda Nara, depending on how she's feeling, Mauro Icardi, <laughs> Marcelo Brozovic and Ivan Perisic. Fucking hell, guys, grow up. <laughs> it's, it's a good one because it's the unfollowing. <laughs> That's what makes me laugh. It's like you can just see them really angry and like, right, I know it's going to make a difference. I'll unfollow you. It's just and like, so what? Whatever happened? Yeah, exactly. It's like, why not behave like adults? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Why not if you you know if you're angry you, that's you know conflicts happen happens in life dear generation Pokemon conflicts happen <laughs> in life you don't immediately <laughs> divorce each other and unfollow each other and change your name from your married name to your maiden name because you've had a <laughs> I mean are you fucking serious everyone has conflicts every day the difference is that adults <laughs> sit down like adults and so resolve them and this is not what Inter need and that's what that's what, again tying back to what I was saying before. This mentality is not what Inter needs. This kind of behavior, I mean, I'm, I refuse to accept that this is, you know, they're, they're not the only players in the world who have social media accounts. Every other player in the world has it as well. But you don't see this behavior. You don't see this behavior no. at United. You don't see this behavior at Real Madrid. You definitely don't see this behavior at Juventus. You don't see it at Milan. You don't see it anywhere else. But at Inter, it's like our dressing room has turned into a, a you know, like a common room for junior school kids. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's bad it's bad it's really bad right let's move on to something a little bit more positive this week's Moratti with Mr. Fulvio Santucci oh my god he is beautiful he is beautiful yeah okay so uh, this week's Moratti is the VAR or VAR I don't know VAR I don't know how you call that but uh, Actually, uh, the good news is that uh, the bar worked properly this week. And in fact, nobody in Italy is mentioning that for the first week since a long time. In case you don't know, in Italy, there's a huge, huge discussion about, 
about the VAR. Um, and uh, in case you don't know, the coach of the, uh, the current uh, third classified in Serie A, Simone Inzaghi, told that uh, the VAR, I'm not agree with VAR because VAR stole my emotion on football. And uh, from that time, I, I don't understand uh, what is what what is really emotional? <laughs> what what what's what, what the point? So what's emotional in rules? I don't know, but still um, the bar worked properly. The most brilliant intervention in uh, in uh, in this uh, in this week on Serie A was made in Benevento, uh, when a penalty was assigned and then denied to the onside because there was an offside at the beginning of the action. So. It was not a penalty, uh, not denied due to uh, a foul that was uh, uh, was assigned by the referee, but still correct by VAR. No, was most brilliant than that. An offside at the beginning of the action denied the penalty to the Benevento. So that was a potentially a great call uh, if you watch this on the perspective of the Scudetto race. Um, you know that uh, Napoli is a contender of the Scudetto. It is not say that Benevento could draw the match because uh, the result at the time was 0-2. Uh, but of course, they would had uh, they would had an unfair chance to reopen an important match against a contender to the um, to the Scudetto. So uh, it could be very important that the, at the end of the season uh, this uh, this call uh, against Benevento, but in favor of Napoli, um, that uh, correct an unfair decision. Other interventions were done during uh, Atalanta Chievo. Uh, the bar confirmed the goal that decided the match to the onside. So Atalanta won uh, won. Uh, uh, 1-0, and uh, that goal that uh, was initially uh, doubtful for the referee was confirmed by VAR. So three points, well-deserved for Atalanta, thanks to the VAR. And uh, even Juventus uh, um, was uh, the silent check of the VAR, uh, just uh, made some intervention during uh, one of this one or two of the seven goals that Juventus uh, made against Sassuolo. So um, actually, not, uh, not incisive on the perspective of the results, but still Good intervention, and uh, yes, the good news is that uh, nobody is talking about VAR. So when in Italy nobody is talking about VAR, is actually a good news, in my opinion. Yeah, that's. I think that's a great, and I think that's a really <laughs> good point. I think I think that drama queen thing he said, Izagi, about how VAR has sucked the happiness out of. I mean, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever read because. It's it's just a video analysis system. I mean, I don't understand what. <laughs> it's it's just there's no need to you know no need to dramatize. And I agree. I think when when VAR it doesn't work, they 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 fry it. But when it does work, they don't say anything. And I and that's 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 just how it is. Um, right. I'd like to. That was all we had time for this week. We'll be back next week. I'd like to thank Richard for joining me. Always good to be here. Cheers, guys. And I also like to thank Fulvio. Thank you, Nima. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, guys. Cheers. And as always, until next week, uh, I'm your host, Nima Tavale Ruzzari, wishing, saying, sempre e solo, forza Inter. <laughs>